Welcome to Near Death Experience Podcast. I'm Chaz Hathaway. Today we're going to talk a little bit about an aspect of the near-death experience that has come up several times, but uh, we've never given it specific uh, attention, and that is the idea of there being a border or limit, something that the experiencer comes across where they realize that if I step beyond this point, if I take this person's hand, if I do this thing, there will not be an opportunity to return. It, it, it's a border or limit uh, to where they realize that this is the point of no return if I go beyond this point. And what I'm going to be reading from is Life After Life by Raymond Moody. This is the classic uh, best-selling book that, uh, that brought the near-death experience term, first off, into being, but also started to started the process of normalizing the near-death experience. Before this happened, if you were at the hospital and said, I spoke with God and I saw this, and they would probably put you in the psych ward. And uh, after this book came out, more people started coming forward and saying, yeah, that's what happened to me. Yeah, that's what happened to me. Yeah, that's what happened to me. And people started realizing, whoa, this may not be a form of psychosis, but rather a real experience, or at least something that is commonly experienced among people who come really close to death. And uh, so, and I'd like to say as a side note, if you've never heard Raymond Moody speak, I highly recommend looking up a YouTube video. You know, when you when you hear that he, you know, was this doctor and, and wrote this book and so forth, you may picture something of kind of this, you know, high uh, uh, professor with a very pompous style and so forth. But if you ever listen to Raymond Moody speak, he's so humble, he's so uh, curious. And honestly, every time I hear him, I'm reminded of Mr. Rogers, you know, from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. I think partly because of his accent and a little bit of his voice itself, you know, kind of that humble uh, character, but also very curious and very excited about the subject. And it's, and it's really fun to listen to him or watch him uh, because of, of his personality. He's just, he's just a humble, curious, fascinating individual. So I highly recommend... Uh, uh, looking up his videos sometimes, but this is from his book where he talks about the border or limit is uh, the way he uh, words it. And I'm just going to dive right into um, the five experiences that he shares. They're, they're short samples of the experiences, but uh, these are examples from his book, Life After Life. Number one. I died from a cardiac arrest, and as I did, I suddenly found myself in a rolling field. It was beautiful, and everything was an intense green, a color unlike anything on earth. There was light, beautiful, uplifting light, all around me. I looked ahead of me, across the field, and I saw a fence. I started moving towards the fence, and I saw a man on the other side of it, moving toward it as if to greet me. I wanted to reach him, but I felt myself being drawn back irresistibly. As I did, I saw him too turn around and go back in the other direction, away from the fence. 
So that's the first experience. So he's, he reaches this fence and he feels, you know, he wants to go to it. He wants to cross over this fence. But uh, as he does, he realizes he can't or shouldn't or something. He's drawn away from it. And as he's drawn away, so is the man on the other side of the fence. Here's experience number two. This experience took place during the birth of my first child. About the eighth month of my pregnancy, I developed what my doctor described as a toxic condition and advised me to enter the hospital where he could force labor. It was immediately after delivery that I had a severe hemorrhage and the doctor had a difficult time controlling it. I was aware of what was happening as having been a nurse myself, I realized the danger. At this time, I lost consciousness and heard an annoying buzzing, ringing sound. The next thing I knew, it seemed as if I were on a ship or a small vessel sailing to the other side of a large body of water. On the distant shore, I could see all of my loved ones who had died, my mother, my father, my sister, and others. I could see them, could see their faces just as they were when I knew them on earth. They seemed to be beckoning me to come on over. And all the while I was saying, No, no, I'm not ready to join you. I don't want to die. I'm not ready to go. Now this was the strangest experience because all the time I could also see the doctors and nurses too as they worked on my body. But it seemed as if I were a spectator rather than than that person, that body they were working on. I was trying hard to get through to my doctor. I'm not going to die. But no one could hear me. Everything, the doctors, the nurses, the delivery room, the ship, the water, and the far shore was just sort of a conglomerate. Uh, It was all together as if one scene were superimposed right on top of the other. Finally, the ship almost reached the far shore, but just as it did, it turned around and started back. I did finally get through to my doctor, and I was saying, I'm not going to die. It was at this point, I guess, that I came around, and the doctor explained what had happened, and that I had had a postpartum hemorrhage, and that he they nearly lost me, but that I was going to be all right. That's the end of that second experience. That one's interesting because um, the barrier is not a wall or fence or hedge or anything, but rather a, uh, you know, that this ship is, um, it's as if crossing onto that other ship across the port would be a barrier, but there was a clear sense of, of a separation between the ship and the other side of the water. I, I should say not going to the ship, but, uh, um, from going from this ship to this Uh, other side of the water and over there there's family and so forth beckoning them saying come on come on and 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 she's like no I'm not ready to die yet you know which is itself interesting because uh, many people when they go they're like I'm done with this life see you later you know and and but as much as people have that experience of like once you get over there you're not going to want to come back there are many, many who do want to come back and uh, and still feel that need. Now, is that uh, that their earthboundness hasn't 
broken away yet? Or is it a sense of purpose? Is it a recognition that they haven't fulfilled their purpose? That's not clear, and it's probably different for different people, but uh, clearly um, there are many who want to return, and this was one of them. Okay, experience number three. I was hospitalized for a severe kidney condition, and I was in a coma for approximately a week. My doctors were extremely uncertain as to whether I would live. During this period when I was unconscious, I felt as though I were lifted right up, just as though I didn't have a physical body at all. A brilliant white light appeared to me. The light was so brilliant that I could not see through it, but going into its presence was so calming and so wonderful. There is just no experience on earth like it. In the experience of the light, the thoughts and words came into my mind. Do you want to die? And I replied that I didn't know since I knew nothing about death. Then the white light said, Come over this line and you will learn. I felt that I knew where the line was in front of me, although I could not actually see it. As I went across the line, the most wonderful feelings came over me. Feelings of peace, tranquility, a vanishing of all worries. That's the end of that experience. And it illustrates an interesting point. People usually have this sense at the border, whatever border they are given, um, that if they cross, they won't be able to return. And yet this person obviously did because they wrote about it <laughs> and, and it's in Dr. Moody's book. So they did come back. And, and I've heard of many who, who were told, you know, if you cross this line, you won't be able to return. And then they still end up returning, though that's less common. Uh, I should say that uh, most people who, uh, you know, I, I obviously we can't have an endless example of these because, uh, or the perfect example of these because we can't hear from those who never came back. <laughs> but uh, obviously, it, it it's a point where it's intended that they won't want to come back, and and that could be a factor too, uh, because often. People at first say, I can't go, I can't leave. And then they get further, deeper into their experience and they find the place so incredibly wonderful that at that point they don't want to return. And then they have to be convinced to return. It could be that that border is like, past this point, you won't want to return. You will want to choose to stay. And, uh, and so that could be what that border represents, I'm not sure. And it may be different for different people, but uh, something definitely worth noting. It may not be a point of no return, but it could be a point of no wanting to return, which obviously, if you are truly given a choice, which some people are, some people are not, but some people are. And if you're truly going to be given a choice, if you are going to cross over that and are no longer going to want to return, more than likely you will not because you have the choice. At least that's my thoughts. So, here's number four. I had a heart attack, and I found myself in a black void, and I knew I had left my physical body behind. I knew I was dying, and I thought, God, I did the best I knew how at the time that I did it. Please help me. 
immediately I was moved out of that blackness through a pale gray and I was and I just went on gliding and moving swiftly and in front of me in the distance I could see a gray mist and I was rushing toward it it seemed that I just couldn't get to it fast enough to satisfy me and as I got closer to it I could see through it beyond the mist I could see people and their forms were just like they are on earth and I could also see something which one could take to be buildings. The whole thing was permeated with a mist of, glor of gorgeous light, a living golden yellow glow, a pale color, not like the harsh gold color we know on earth. I love how he calls the gold color harsh. <laughs> anyway, as I approached more closely, I felt certain that I was going through that mist. It was such a wonderful, joyous feeling. There are just no words in the human language to describe it. Yet it wasn't my time to go through the mist because I instant, because instantly from the other side appeared my Uncle Carl, who had died many years earlier. He blocked my path, saying, Go back. Your work on earth has not been completed. Go back now. I didn't want to go back, but I had no choice, and immediately I was back in my body. I felt that horrible pain in my chest, and I heard my little boy crying, God, bring my mommy back to me. That's the end of the experience. That one's an interesting one, because um, the barrier is a mist, um, which seems to be fairly common, but... Also, there's a person saying, go back, go back now, kind of an expediency about it. And it brings up the question, because we talk about the veil that, uh, that seems to cover our minds from remembering the life before. And while I don't, it, it doesn't seem to be that this veil is gen, can generally be removed in just a, you know, snap of a fingers and it's gone. It's not like... The moment you leave your body, you remember everything because these people are still like, what's going on? What's, you know, and, and they're introduced, reintroduced to people that they find that they remember them after meeting them again. So it's like, it's like the, uh, the sight of them brings back their memory. But it could be also that this barrier has something to do with the veil. I'm not sure. I don't know. But um, could it be that crossing that point um, opens the part of the mind that allows for memories of pre-earth life and and experiences prior to coming to earth. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So whether this uh, barrier is a burial, barrier of the of veil, of forgetfulness, of uh, or what, not sure. Anyway, number five. I was taken to the hospital for a critical condition they said was an inflammation, and my doctor said I wasn't going to make it. He told my relatives to come because I wasn't going to be here much longer. They came and gathered around my bed, and as the doctor thought I was dying, my relatives looked like they were going farther away from me. I looked like It looked like they were going back instead of me going away from them. It got dimmer and dimmer, but I saw them. I lost consciousness and didn't seem to know anything else about what was going on in the hospital room, but I was in a narrow V-shaped passage, like a trough about 
the width of this chair. It just fit my body, and my hands and arms seemed to be drawn at my side. I went head first, and it was dark, dark as it could be in there. I moved on through it, downward, and I looked up and saw a beautiful polished door with no knob. Around the edges of the door, I could see a really brilliant light with rays just streaming like everybody was so happy in there and reeling around, moving around. It seemed like it was awful busy in there. I looked up and I looked up and said, Lord, here I am. If you want me, take me. Boy, he shot me back so fast I felt like I almost lost my breath. That's the end of that experience. There's your uh, something of your pearly gates, if you will. I've heard of pearly gates, people seeing pearly gates. They see a grand gate covered in gold and and pearls and whatever and I mean <laughs> and then and then you see rivers and then you see uh, mists and clouds and um, sometimes just a chasm between but there's all kinds of these barriers that you find and it kind of illustrates a point that seems to come up over and over in many of these experiences and that's that People experience things different, though their experience of those things is very similar. So while one person may encounter, you know, a, a ship, you know, they're in a ship and, and you know, like this one, um, water and then an island on the other side, that's a very different experience than floating toward, you know, in these clouds and having this mist like the other one. And yet there's this sense of separation, something standing between us, and the idea that going beyond this point will change things considerably, possibly become a point of no return. At least that's the sense that they often get. So this barrier comes up in various forms, all different kinds of forms, but this symbolic experience, which is a very real experience, it's it, it almost seems to me that on the other side, symbolism and actual reality are intertwined. So, for example, Erica McKenzie, which I, I've got to share her experience. I can't believe I haven't shared her experience yet. Um, Erica McKenzie has an experience of seeing, she's standing with God or f floating in space or something. She's with God and she sees this giant pair of glasses. And God tells her, put those on. And she's like, ah, how am I going to do that? You know, kind of. And, and then she reaches out for them. And as she draws them to her face, they, they shrink down and fit to her face. Now, that sounds absurd, you know, because this massive uh, pair of glasses, I think she describes it as being the size of a bus, um, is uh, the, obviously these glasses... You know, God doesn't need glasses. Why would he need them? And yet he needed to show her something. And so um, his glasses became the symbolism of seeing through his eyes. Now, could he have just touched her eyes and said, now you can see like me? Um, sure. But then there's not as much of the experience about it. There's, you know... The, uh, she's able to see and, and, and view the things that he's trying to show her, but 
seeing this large pair of glasses and being astounded at their size and so forth gives her the additional experience of trying to figure out how can I look through those? How can I possibly see through that? And yet, as she does, she finds that she can. And so there's having that symbolism translate into a real genuine experience makes the experience more fulfilling. And that seems to be the case in so many things. Symbolism seems to take on an incredibly important role in the spirit world. One that is more than just, you know, a story or just a comparison or metaphor. Rather, that's the experience that you have is that thing. And uh, that may be one of the reasons why coming to this earth is so powerful to us because every experience within our life becomes a metaphor for something. And the metaphor that we're experiencing becomes a lesson both for ourselves and for others. So very interesting, very interesting. So when you hear of different kind of borders, you don't have to be confused or troubled by the fact that there's so many different kinds, that they, there doesn't seem to be any consistency, you know? While one person say, no, it should have been a train station and getting on the train, or somebody else saying, no, no, you were supposed to, to be looking across a chasm, otherwise it's not real. That's just not a fair way of, of seeing it, of comparing them uh, in the sense of saying that one is valid and the other is not valid, just doesn't seem to apply here. So hearing of different experiences, even if they sound odd or slightly strange, like God's glasses, which again, I've got to share that experience. Uh, maybe I'll look into sharing that one next because it's just beautiful. Anyway, um, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can do so by calling 970-NDE-CAST. Leave a three-minute message. If you are if you need to share more, call back and keep sharing further of your message so we can get it on the podcast. Also, you can email Podcast at gmail.com or you can just comment on the website itself, which is neardeathexperiencepodcast.org. And thank you again once more so much for listening. Thank you.